Hey, thank you so much for listening to The Way We Get By. I'm Liam. And I'm Tim. Liam, how are you doing today? I am doing good. Okay, you're doing good. How, how are you? <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I'm doing good as well. I'm not gonna give you any anything more. I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Which actually really it's I'm doing well, but we're not that's not let's not get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam, how has your day been so far? It's been good. Good. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, Liam, we have another sponsor for the podcast, don't we? What's our sponsor today? Um, today's sponsor is eggs. Eggs. Why eggs? What, what's about eggs? Because they're good for breakfast. Okay. Anything mm-hmm. good for anything else? Um. Yeah, so just sponsored by eggs? Yeah. Um, when they have. Hatch- your, what's your favorite egg? Like, what do you like in eggs? Do you um, like, what's your favorite? Do you like scramble? Do you like them in a sandwich? Like, what, what do you like? What kind of eggs do you like? I like them in a shell. <laughs> well, yeah, but you can't eat the shell, though. When they're cooked, what? How do you like them? I like them on a plate. On a plate. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Liam. All right. Okay. So let's let's go ahead. Let's get on with this interview. So, um, Liam, Liam, I'm really excited about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking today to the uh, third to fifth grade school counselor for Dresden Elementary School here in Doraville, the Doraville Shambly area of Atlanta. Her name is Ruth Blackstock, and we know her through our. Uh, she attends our church. So that's how we know her. She's doing so much right now for the school community. It is, it's been incredible. All right, Liam, are you ready? Anything else we need to say, or is that it? Um, that's it? Yeah, Take it away? It. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, here's the interview. And now, Ruth Blackstock. <laughs> how are you doing, Ruth? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for that great introduction, Liam. You're yeah, that was Appreciate nice. It. That's good. So before we dive in, can you uh, just tell us just briefly a little bit about yourself and maybe how you ended up at Dresden Elementary? Okay, so let's see if I can do the elevator speech. <laughs> I did this. Um, so I'd always wanted to be in education, but um, when I got out of college, I felt um, that I really couldn't make a living at it. So speaking French, I had picked up Spanish. I went into international business. Um, and this has nothing to do with being a counselor, but for almost 30 years, <clears throat> I sold chicken around the world. I worked for three different companies, two of them poultry oh, producers, wow. them a trading company. Um, and all during this, I mean, it was, it was great. It was great fun, got to travel a lot of places. My Spanish definitely got better. I actually was able to use my French in some places. But I kept feeling this calling back um, to volunteer. So I had a Girl Scout troop early on, and then I started getting involved with international exchange students, high school students. And what I found is that I had a talent for um, counseling, Mm. counseling the students, counseling the host parents, counseling the parents whose students went abroad, because you have, in my opinion, all problems are problems of communication. Mm. Wow. And that goes for language, as well as culture, as well as Everything. Wow. If you can figure out the communication, you've got most of the problem solved. So um, anyway, so I got involved in that. And the more I did that, the less I liked the world of business. Um, Mm. Some things changed uh, mid-2010s. And I was able to step back, reevaluate. And I decided I wanted to go get a degree in counseling, in school counseling. So that's what I did. I went in 2016, started at Mercer University. 
I graduated in December of 2018 and first got a job uh, working in city schools of Decatur as a substitute counselor and then was able to land this job. So this is my first year actually school counseling at Dresden Elementary, which for me was a real sweet spot. Um, I am now fluent in Spanish and I am becoming fluent in Guatemalan, uh, Honduran, Salvadoran, Nicaraguan Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and, what real quick what helped you as yeah. far as learning the language like was there certain <clears throat> did you just take classes was it apps what what kind of helped you learn learn, uh, learn Spanish um, Malcolm Gladwell mm. uh, has a, it's called the tipping point and in that he says there's a rule of 10,000 hours so I was a I was taught French at an early age mm. I had exposure to my mouth knew how to make different sounds the muscles were trained, so I have a good accent in French. And so when I started learning Spanish, I was able now to get the muscle memory going that way. Uh-huh. And so really, it's just uh, immersion and using it. Yeah. And at some point, I looked back and I said, all right, when I read that 10,000 hours, I started adding up. And sure enough, between traveling, uh, spending time with friends overseas, all of this, I had easily spent 10,000 hours in engaged, not just where's the bathroom, but engaged conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now, some days at school, it's easier for me to speak Spanish and express myself that way wow. than in English. Wow. <laughs> so um, it's just a lifetime. Right. I, that, that doesn't help the user who's wanting to say, oh, how do I learn Spanish? <laughs> but I can tell you that if you were dedicated to learning the language, you have to find those moments to immerse yourself. Yeah. Right, Lee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. During this uh, staying in, he's been uh, on Duolingo quite a bit. We've been bre- awesome. starting up on Spanish, so it's been awesome. exciting so far. Yeah. yeah. Sorry I didn't mean to interrupt that. I was just really curious. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'll have, to, I'll have to teach you some of my favorite words later. Ooh. So they're all, they're all fun words. <laughs> yeah, like burbuja, bubbles. I love that word, burbuja. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, all this, I just felt like God was leading me through my life. It mm. feels like all of the experiences I have had, all the training that people have given me over the years, um, what my mother and father taught me, what, what life has taught me has just all come to bear on, uh, this incredible experience I've had this year working as a counselor. Mm. Um, at Dresden, yeah. um, outside the DeKalb County School District. Awesome. Um, and has allowed my passion to come out. Mm. So That's it's right. been great. It's awesome. been great. Can you tell us about Dresden? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Dresden was built in the 50s. Um, it's the Dresden Dragons because originally that part of Atlanta was uh, Asian American. Hmm. And so there was a strong Asian uh, continuity to that. Mm. Uh, but over the years, uh, it has become more and more of a Hispanic community that feeds Dresden. We are, if you look at the statistics, we are 98% Hispanic. We have an incredibly dedicated population of parents who have risked a lot um, to give their children a better chance. And even though they don't speak the language, um, their compassion and their passion 
for their children having a better chance than they do just is evident every day. Mm. Um, the kids themselves are amazing. They are sponges. They just want to learn, to learn, yeah. to learn. And to see them get excited about being together and learning and, and having experiences that are different from what they have in the home. Because really, mm -hmm. when they come to school, it's coming to a different culture. Yeah. And they've got to, you know, they got to deal with that. So, mm -hmm. um, so it's a group of passionate teachers. Um, I walked into the third year of a principal who had a vision and a passion to um, really equip these children uh, with the fundamentals. Um, and so our scores on the tests in the 2018-19 school year went from an F to a C. Hmm. Had wow. we been able to take the test this year, I feel there would have been evidence of even more progress. Oh, man. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, it is life-changing um, for this community um, because their parents can't, they've never been to school in the U.S. They don't know how to teach their children to read and write in English, mm -hmm. but they know they want their children to have that. It's a neat, neat school. So you you answered a little bit of this in that answer, but I'm still going to ask it anyways because I'm, I'm really excited to hear just I, just already, I'm sure, listeners hearing your passion about this school and what you do. But what do you love about Dresden and what do you love about being a counselor at Dresden? What I love about Dresden is just the joy of being there every day. Um, the children have such um, gratitude mm -hmm. uh, for being here and for being able to learn. And, and they're kids. I mean, yeah. you know, they, yeah. I love uh how they express themselves. Um, there's not a day that goes by that there's not a lot of hugging in the hall. Um, just random. And it's, <laughs> part, of it's, part of it is the experience that you probably, you know, I'm a new counselor, so I don't know this. It's probably an experience you can get in a lot mm -hmm. of the elementary schools because children are so open. They're so trusting. Um, yeah. But I do think that there is something special about that bond. Um, and the teachers who've been there a long time tell me that it's just, yeah. they're wonderful children. Um, what I like about the counseling, um, remember, I'm a new counselor, even though I'm <clears throat> mature, shall we say. Um, I'm learning uh, how to reach these kids and attend to the needs. I'm counselor for three, third through fifth grade. Okay. So that's a little bit older child okay. a little bit different dynamic so i'm counselor for third through fifth grade so they're little older children a little different dynamic um you know the the typical things that we talk about are friendship problems no different um you know what is life going to be like um mm -hmm. when i go to sixth grade um what do i want to be uh, mm. why did things in the world happen i mean Children are so amazing, the questions that come out of their mouths. Um, I have an open-door policy. Um, my office is right across from the bathroom, so often there are bathroom breaks that end up as Ms. Blackstock visits. 
for the time <laughs> in my office. Like, are you supposed to be going to the bathroom? Yeah, well, I just wanted to come by and say hi. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, some of, I mean, a lot of what you do as a counselor is serious. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens in the, happens with the counselor stays with the counselor mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, one of my gratitudes is that I can have good conversations with the parents mm. without having to go through a translator. Mm. And I think it, in some ways, makes them more comfortable to open up. We can talk about things that are happening. They have a tenacity and a, uh, and a drive and a, and a passion that um, sustains them through some stuff that I don't know that I could go through myself. Well, speaking of kind of kind of in that same vein, one of the the reasons we've been excited about doing a podcast like this is to kind of expose listeners to um, I kind of already told you this earlier, but like kind of the ripple effects of this COVID-19 pandemic and how all that it's affecting. Um, Can you share a little bit about how I know, you know, there's the the big overhead stuff of, you know, obviously school being um, canceled for the rest of the year, things like that. But can you share about some of the probably some of the even bigger issues that are occurring because because of this pandemic and because the schools are being canceled? So in answer to this question, I'm going to first refer back to, to a survey that was done by Los Vecinos of Buford Highway. And it was done, I think, the end of March. Um, and it asked the question, what percent, you know, will you be able to make your rent or not in April? And same question for May. I think it was 70% easily that came back and said no for April and 90-something percent that said, you know, can't even imagine making May. But then on top of that, we have the fear of the unknown disease. There's no uh, medical safety net. Even if the child is born in the U.S., very often the parent has been kicked off of Medicaid um, because of some document or another, and they don't have the links to get back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the children who are not able to have Medicaid, what, you know, what do they face if they were to catch COVID, um, mm-hmm. catch the coronavirus? So mothers are sheltering their children in place, um, trying to exercise social distancing. And you have, um, you have a very, uh, a population now that has to add that stress. Mm-hmm on top of it then there's the stress of where does the food come from um very uh it's a population that as all of us would be are are proud of being able to be self-sustaining so they are not um until it gets down to it they typically won't ask for food but then um then what happens is the phones are getting cut off so their ability to even text or call people to get help. Imagine that you're in a world where all of a sudden work has dried up, you can't pay the rent, you're, you can't feed your kids, your, your link to the outside world, that cell phone goes away. It's just rough. Yeah. It's rough. Can you, I would love for you to share, maybe personally, I, I've, already, I've already heard stories from stories of how you've been involved personally. Can you share a little about that and also share about the fundraisers that are happening to help kind of offset a lot of these, um, a lot of these financial, um, difficulties? Sure. 
Um, so during the school year, uh, there was a community that came to our school. It was a, a group called Backpack Buddies. And it's not an official group. It's just this, these people that say, here's a program that gives food insecure children a backpack of food for the weekend that's going to give mm-hmm. them two breakfasts, two lunches, and stave off, um, you know, food insecurity, mm-hmm. helping that. Um, and we started that back in September. Some marvelous, a couple of synagogues, uh, a nonprofit um, retirement home joined it. I mean, just these incredible individuals giving food once a week that we they packed into about five pound bags of food, and we put in backpacks for the kids so they could easily carry it home. Um, we started out, I think, giving away thirty or forty per week, maybe even less than that, because it was hard for us to identify. You know, what do you do? Are you eating mm-hmm. this weekend? You know, um, yeah. had some we knew. So over time, people begin to learn about the program. They begin to trust. And I remember in one class, I swear I had a backpack buddy, Apostle. She would bring all of her friends into my office and say, Miss Blackstock, Miss Blackstock, I want you to talk to this person. I want you to talk to that person. And, um, you know, I would ask them, I was like, you know, what's it like on the weekend? What, what's the need? And they would tell me. And so I would sign them up for the program. So by the time we closed on March 13th, we were giving away about 130 bags of food per week. Um, and it was, a it was a well-oiled machine. The Dresden Education Foundation, uh, was a mover and shaker in this from the beginning. Our principal, Dr. Berger, uh, saw it and said, I want to do this in my school. I did a lot of the, um, the detail work on it, but it, it was the moms would put the bags in the backpacks and deliver them to the kindergarten classes, out to the trailers. You know, it was just, it was this effort. So mm-hmm. once I knew that the school was closing, um, our partners asked us, is there a way that we can continue getting that food to the students? And um, I looked at that and I thought, well, one thing I can do is ask the parents if they would give permission to share their home address with these organizations to continue to receive the food. So I just went through and I asked the question. And... I had texts back, because it's easier to do this by text, mm-hmm. I had texts back from probably 80 to 90 individuals saying yes. Uh, some said no. Some said we're doing yeah. okay. Um, some I didn't hear from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that started it, and so the organizations figured out how to get the backpacks to the doorstop of the families. And... I think that's the one thing that makes this program a little bit different than a lot of the other food aid that's reaching out to Buford Highway is that this solves that last mile delivery. Mm. Um, A lot of our families who know that there is food that they can go get for their kids at the school giveaway by the YMCA and there's other giveaways, but many of these giveaways require somebody to come in a car 
to get food. Um, many of our parents have taxis. If I'm a parent of one child, it will take me a taxi ride to the distribution site for the DeKalb County school and I'm picking up two lunches. Well, that cab ride might, might cost me more than what that lunch would cost if I walk across the street to the little yeah. bodega. Okay. So that last mile of service is the scariest and the most difficult one to do. They're scared to come out of their homes. Part of it. Um, the volunteers that go into the apartment complexes have to be very careful on the distancing. We, they work on making sure that those bags are cleansed. You know, there's all things, lots of things to it. But at the end of the day, it is a last mile of service. Uh, so the backpack providers have linked up with uh, another volunteer group is doing the distribution, uh, that last mile of service. And this past week, they distributed 130, 135 bags to those bags weighs about five or six pounds um yeah um and the dresden foundation has come back into it because they realized that there's more of a need than the original suppliers of Mm -hmm. these backpacks or the bags of food can do because a lot of them depended on the atlanta food bank to get the food and now the Atlanta food bank is strained tremendously. So within these past two weeks, um, a couple things have happened. The Dresden education foundation has gone out and done a fundraiser Hmm. on Facebook. I think it shows close to 10,000. Um, there's some additional donations that brings it well over 30, $30,000. Yeah. Um, the, there is a, group called Let's Lend a Hand that has partnered with the Decatur Education Foundation <clears throat> and um, Skyland United Methodist Church has very, been very integral in this to gather food from the community. I have oh, never man. seen such quantities of food coming in. <laughs> We're also using those funds to fill in the gaps, um, purchasing food and having to do it at a retail level, which is not ideal. Um, but making sure that we have a good quantity of meat and rice and beans and peanut butter and just some staples and plus, you know, some fun things for the kids. Uh, Coca-Cola mm-hmm. has do- Coca-Cola bottlers have donated, um, Powerade. Let me get the brand of the, <laughs> <laughs> the drink, right. <laughs> uh, that'll be going into their bags. That'll make some kids day. Um, yeah. And as we go, teachers in the school know that if a child says, hey, I'm hungry, or mom says there's not much to eat, they hand them over to me, and I talk to them, and uh, we we figure out what we need to do. Um, And uh, we are about to go out to the community uh, as best we can to say, look, this now is a feeding effort through the summer. Hmm. Um, because originally the backpack, um, the food suppliers and myself had thought, okay, we'll, you know, we'll do. And now it's so clear we have Mm. to go through the summer. 
we have to go until the school feeding program picks back up in the fall. So that's, again, the impetus of why the foundation got involved and went out for the funding. Um, Mm. And it's it's a grassroots effort. So I'm proud to be a part of it. Lots of amazing people involved. Yeah, it's incredible how much goes into this. It's really unbelievable. <laughs> well, devil's in the detail. Always <laughs> is. Like if people are listening, how do they get involved? Okay. So um, let's see. I, I'm hoping when you do this podcast, you're also able to put up some links. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll post yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. So um, for Dresden specific, <clears throat> and I ask. You know, those listening, um, sometimes you have to decide where your circle of influence can be. Mm-hmm. And the Education Foundation and the group that's involved has said, we are feeding Dresden families. <clears throat> Certainly, if there is uh, an abundance, we will spill over mm-hmm. to other organizations. But right yeah, now, yeah. Uh, the money is gathered, understanding that it is Dresden families. So there's a Facebook page. That fundraiser goes on. You want to donate funds to that, know that will be used. And if it's more than we need at Dresden, we will uh, be using that for food efforts elsewhere. Um, we have to get permission. But, uh, awesome. There is a wonderful organization if you want to contribute towards rent. It's called Los Vecinos. But they are actively um, receiving requests for rent and working to triage you know, what are those situations? I know that is going to be more and more of an active situation as we get towards June and July, mm-hmm. maybe when these balloon payments are being asked for. Yeah. Uh, also, they're doing a lot of education uh, with our community about what their rights are and awesome. things that they can do to help foster a better conversation with their landlords. Mm, I think that's it. We we are so grateful for you coming on and, and sharing about this. And um, yeah, we, we thank you so much for doing this. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, Liam, we'll get together. Okay? Okay. We'll have... Vamos a tener una charla. Vamos a hablar. Do you understand? No. <laughs> <laughs> you will soon, hopefully. You will. You will. It takes it takes a while. It's yeah. just hour by hour. Just start barking off those mm-hmm. ten thousand hours. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Right. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Liam. All right, so that was our interview with Ruth. Thank you so much for listening. And again, if you would like to get involved at all, um, we're going to be posting those links to our website page. Also, we'll go ahead and put them in our podcast summary as well. Um, please, please, please help out and you can. And also, so I know, I, I don't know, obviously we don't know for sure our, our listenership, where you are. Um, we're still figuring stuff like that out. But you may not live in this area. But my hope is that regardless, that this will kind of encourage you maybe to look out for schools like this that are being impacted in this way in your area. Because this is not an isolated incident by any means at all. This is uh, really what's happening with this school is just effects of larger, more systemic issues in our nation as a whole. That while this relief right now is really important and obviously needs to be addressed um, in the moment, it's also just a sign of bigger issues. Um, going on in our nation 
um, with or without the COVID-19 pandemic, these issues uh, still exist. With that being said, uh, yeah, please, please look out in your area, see, look out for needs like this. And if you have margin and the ability to help out in any way, um, I'm sure it would be, it would mean a great deal to those students and those families of those schools that are being impacted in this way as well. I guess that's it. Uh, before we leave, we do want to say if you would like to get in touch with us, Liam, has anybody gotten in touch with us yet? Has, no. has any? Okay, that's okay. No. Um, but I know you're checking out that you're checking out your email. Mm-hmm. You're checking, making sure perfect. If you would like to do that to get in touch with Liam, or maybe possibly be a guest on the podcast, Liam, how how can they get in touch? Um, I have an email address. It is I'm Liam Rhodes at gmail.com. That is I M L I A M R H O D E S at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Liam, for doing this, as always. And uh, thank you, listeners, for, for listening. It really it really means a great deal to us. We, we, uh, we love um, getting any sort of feedback. All right, Liam, I guess, I guess that's it. So can you take us out on the four goals? Stay at home, wash your hands, don't get infected, and love your neighbor. <laughs>